Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of First Samuel, if you would. First Samuel, chapter seven. We'll begin there. We want to do just a brief topical study uh, on one thing, uh, mostly in Second uh, Chronicles, but we'll start in verse in First Samuel chapter seven. This morning we talked about out of First Chronicles chapter twenty-two about David and how that David um, we saw how that David <clears throat> all the things that went into the building of the temple that is before even a stone was laid and we saw especially how that uh, David told the uh, the princes of Israel to set their heart to seek the Lord, their heart and their soul to seek the Lord so that they could build the temple. Because this temple being built for Israel was an all-encompassing task. It involved the whole nation in some fashion or form, and it was for the benefit of all. And so we looked at that, and as we, as we, uh, go, into, as we go into our meeting here next week, um, I wanted to, to really look at how that we can prepare our hearts for a meeting like this. Um, you know, because generally speaking, uh, you, get, you get out of, in spiritual things, you get out of spiritual things what you put into spiritual things. Uh, the kind of, the kind of uh, lazy tendency that we all have is, uh, is fatal to, to spiritual blessings and it's fatal to revival to a personal revival as well as to a church revival. And I want to just remind you about David and, and all the things that he gathered. We looked at, you know, a million pounds, about a million pounds of silver and about, well, uh, it was, no, it was a million, what was it, two million pounds of gold and 20 million pounds of silver, I think is what we, is, is that right? Am I remembering it right? I have my notes in front of me. And uh, think about how much time it took for David to gather all of that together. You, you think about the span of time, all these wars and all these battles, and all this spoil that David gathered. He gathered, gathered all those things over a period of time. And he did it the whole time he was thinking how that he wanted to build that temple. He, was, he had his, in other words, you can't do something like that with that kind of resolve over a long period of time, unless your heart is set on it, unless it is fixed and it is resolved. Even that, even resolve of our hearts is not something that comes of our own power. Many, many times we might resolve to do something and in the middle of, in the middle of that process, time gets the better of us and we fail. We falter, we slack off, and we don't complete the task. And uh, listen, it's, it's not, <laughs> that's, it's just human nature. It's just the way we're built. We're just weak people and we tend to, over time, time tends to get the better of us. And what we set out to do at the beginning, we don't finish often because we just, we're just weak. We're faulty. And so we have to have God, God's help and God's sustain, sustaining power in our lives to uh, complete this task. So, uh, I was just thinking about how much effort and time and, and thought 
must have went into David's life to prepare all of those things for the temple. It was not something that was done in a day. It was not something that was done in a week or a month or a year. It was over a long period of time. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Remember, uh, this evening rather, remember we, we saw the number of times the word prepare, 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 all throughout uh, that chapter, chapter 22. And David prepared to build the temple because his heart was set on building a temple. It was in his heart. He had a desire before God that he wanted to do, and he prepared to do it. You know, he never would have gotten it done had he just one day decided to do it and then tried the next day. And you know what? Very few things that are of significance are done just like that. Usually it takes preparation. Usually it takes forethought. Usually it takes the things we want to talk about tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's pray because we won't look at just one text. So we'll pray first and then we'll begin in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1. Let's pray together. Our Lord, thank you for the opportunity for the church to meet again today. Lord, we first of all, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, this, this would not even be a conversation and we would not be here at all if it was not for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray especially in our, our uh, revival meeting coming up and our anniversary that the name of Christ and his gospel would be magnified in front of us. Lord, give Brother Roberts just the words to say to exalt and lift up the name of Christ. Help us and our focus to be on Him and His name. We pray for our service tonight. As we look in Your Word, help us to focus our hearts. Lord, would You please stir among us according to those things that we need. Lord, we just, we just want to prepare our hearts for what You have for us these, these next couple of weeks. So, Lord, would You please do that? Speak to us and teach us. Give me wisdom, Lord, to know what to say to help Your people. Fill my mind and heart that they might be filled, that they might get what they need from your word as well. Because I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 3. The Bible says, And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, the son of the son, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, listen now, if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and, and Ashtaroth, among, from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord. And serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Prepare your hearts unto the Lord. But note, this is what I want us to see here. To prepare the hearts to, for, for the people of Israel, like Samuel says, to prepare their hearts unto the Lord, the first thing that had to be dealt with was sin. Sin had to be dealt with. The false gods, the abominations in God's sight. Sin has to be dealt with. We will see, as we look at these various verses, we will see how sin must be dealt with before there can be, before there can be preparation. 
preparation, there is no, absolutely no preparing for, to seek God. And that's, that's what we're doing at this, at this revival. At least that's what I'm hoping to do. And I, I hope that's what you're doing is preparing our hearts now because we're, we're here now. Now it's not the revival yet. So at this point is preparation. We're preparing our hearts to seek the Lord then. But what we, what we need to do is we need to prepare our hearts now by examining ourselves. Because the reality is we can't, we can't ask for God's blessing and we can't ask for God to lead us and we can't ask for God to, uh, to awaken us and revive us and, and enliven our church as long as there is known sin that is being protected and being maintained in our lives. Again, remember, the church is a body. The church is nothing more than the people that make it up. So if there's sin it. To, if there's sin in the church, there can't be sin in the church unless there's sin in individuals in the church. And so what we need to do is examine ourselves. Lord, search me. Search me, O oh God. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Because that is the beginning. It is impossible to come to God with known sin in our lives and expect Him to revive us and expect Him to, to stir us and to give us direction, and to set our hearts to seek Him while our hearts are at the same time set on sin. It cannot, it cannot be. God will, not, God will not, He just simply won't answer. Psalm 66, 18, who can quote that? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So sin is something we need to deal with as we prepare our hearts for revival. As we prepare our hearts and we ask God to, uh, to help us seek Him, uh, it, it must begin with a self-examination. A lot of times we think of revival as of a, re a revival meeting as the time in which we just will come, we'll sit, and we'll listen, and we'll just, maybe, we'll just be like, God, if there's something wrong, you just tell me then. Whoa, 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 wrong. That's wrong. You see... The preparation is where we deal with sin. The preparation before the revival ever comes is where we deal with That's when we get our hearts right. What did, what did the Bible say about John the Baptist? His purpose was to come to prepare the people of Israel for the coming Messiah. It, the, the, John the Baptist didn't come and say, oh, you, you guys got, got stuff in your life that's wrong? Just wait till Jesus comes, he'll take care of it. Oh, no, no, no. They were to prepare themselves by the baptism of repentance, remember? Prepare themselves by that repentance so that when Christ came, their hearts were ready. So we don't need to wait until the revival to search our hearts. No, we need to be searching our hearts now so that when that time comes, that God has liberty to work in our hearts. We, we prepare our hearts by removing the idols out of our lives. The things in our lives that have usurped God's rightful place in us. And the things for which we have sacrificed our relationship to God, those are idols, just like we read here, idols. They were to put away the strange gods from among them and serve God only. Look at 2 Chronicles, if you would, turn over. <clears throat> the rest of the time we'll be in 2 Chronicles, so you can go there and park for a little bit. Chapter 17 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse number 1. 
I don't know. The story of Jehoshaphat is, some, is, is just rich with this, uh, this theme. And so we'll look at this in several places. 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents and he had riches and honor in abundance and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Notice in verse 3, he sought not unto Balaam. First thing, we want to prepare our hearts, and we'll see this term, this preparing oneself, preparing oneself for the Lord, preparing to seek the Lord in just a minute. But the first thing we need to do, as we saw in 1 Samuel, is we have to look and examine our hearts to see, is there any, any sin in our life? Anything that is there that we already know, before even we even really come to God, we already know it's there and it shouldn't be there. That's, the thing, that's what we do. We call this a sin that easily besets us, a sin that hinders us, a sin that we allow to remain. You say, do we do that. Good Christians don't do that. Yeah, they do it. <laughs> they do it. We sometimes allow known sin to remain unmolested in our life. You cannot have that and pre preparation to seek the Lord at the same time. It's got to go. It's got to go. And we see here also in verse 3, he sought not unto Balaam. So he's ejecting the false gods so that he can seek the Lord God. Verse 4, notice it says, he walked in the first ways of his father David, verse 3, and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord. You see that pivot? You see that pivot? If we're going to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord, we're going to have to turn from our sin. We're going to have to stop seeking some things so that we may seek better things. Look at verse 6. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, once again, we see it. He took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Now, what's interesting about, about the high places, at this time in the history of Israel, the high places had gotten completely just vile and wicked and idolatrous. Not just idolatrous, but grossly immoral. I mean, you, you could not describe in mixed company or even in uh, whatever the opposite of mixed company is. <laughs> you, could not, you would not describe in a, in a group of people, the things that are done, the kind of ungodly and filth that is done at these groves and high places. There's a reason why they're taking them away. But it was all based in idolatry. Now, here's the thing. The high places and the, and the, the groves were not always evil, though. Did you know that? The high places and the groves were not always evil. In fact, in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham planted a grove. 
It was a, just a grove at that point. Of course, there was no tabernacle. There was no temple like we find here, like we read about this morning. It was just Abraham built an altar and planted a grove. A grove was nothing but a group of trees. It was like a garden, sort of. He just planted a group of trees, and it was a place to which he would resort to go worship the Lord. A nice, shaded, pleasant place to worship the Lord. In fact, it's not a whole lot different than our church, our church building, is it? That's kind of what, we, what we've done here. But that was the groves. That was what Abraham did, and that was all perfectly fine. But now, those things, those things that were once good have now become evil. And sometimes if we're going to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord, not only do we have to turn from sin so that we might seek better things, sometimes we have to consider that we might need to eject things that provide opportunity for us to sin, even if they're not particularly sinful themselves. You know, those things that we ride the line, we know if we, if we practice this thing, we know it's going to give us opportunity. It's going to trick us. It's going to pull us. It's going to draw us away from the Lord. It's going to draw us towards sin, and yet we do it. We ride that line. And that's kind of like the, the grove. That's kind of how I view the groves. At one time they were good, but now they're evil. At one time they were used to worship the Lord. Now they're used to worship the devil. The grove itself was not evil, but the way it was being used was evil. You know, some things that are hindrances to us, some things that make, as the scripture says, make provision for the flesh need to be ejected. Look at chapter 19, if you would. Still on Jehoshaphat here. Verse number one, the Bible says, <clears throat> And Jehoshaphat the king, king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? This was, just a side note, this has nothing to do with our message, but Jehoshaphat's primary flaw, his primary flaw was his affinity with Ahab. He just could not bring himself to part ways with the wicked king. He loved God with all his heart, but he could not tell Ahab, bug off. He just couldn't do it. Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from the Lord. Verse 3, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, comma, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. You see that? You see the order? Can't prepare your heart until the sin is dealt with. Keep reading, verse 4. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem and went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. Notice his preparation for the Lord is now affecting other people because now other people are being drawn back to the Lord because of how he prepared his heart for the Lord. Listen. Mediocrity in our faith and walk with God is not going to draw people to the Lord. Laziness, laziness and slothfulness and a, and a 
drowsy Christianity does not draw people to the Lord. Hearts who are, that are alive, quivering, quickened, excited, those things draw people to the Lord. A zeal, a fervency. But see, here's the thing. That's one reason we have revivals is because, again, our tendency is to slide back into mediocrity, put it on cruise, and take our hands off, and eventually, just like a car that has bad alignment, it pulls us off the road. That's always what, always what happens. Always. Verse number five. And, and he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. And said unto the judges, Take heed what ye do, for, ju- for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect to persons, nor taking gifts. Listen to his words. You hear what Jehoshaphat is saying to these judges? Do you not sense? He is serious about doing the will of God. You see this? His heart is prepared. His heart, as we saw this morning, is set. It is fixed. He's taking it seriously. What the Lord said in the law, what he said about what is right and what is wrong, as Jehoshaphat speaks to the judges, you hear fervency. You don't hear this, you don't hear laziness and, and a lackadaisical kind of attitude. No, you hear, you hear a man who, whose heart is after God, like David's was. He's saying, Now listen, judges, this is not, you're not judging your own judgment. This is the Lord's judgment. And there is no iniquity with him. He has set his heart against evil. You see what I'm saying? Not just evil in society, but evil, evil among the people that, over whom he has authority. Verse 8, Moreover in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set of the Levites and of the priests and of the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies when they returned to, to Jerusalem. Notice, so here's what, it, here's what he prepared his heart to serve the Lord. And now he's setting judges over the people. And the judges are going to, the they're just like judges in our day, they're the ones that determine and make judgments on controversies and things like that. But here's why that's important. Here's why I want you to see it. He's preparing. What is in his mind? And this card I told you about, I'll read it again. It says, What I would like to to see the Lord do in my heart, my life, my relationship with Him, my family, my church, my community, and my future. Those are just ideas, different areas that you might think about when you you look at this card. I would like you to take this card, if if you're willing, it's not like, it's not going to be a test. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put it in the grade book or anything, but I'd like you to take this card and actually with a pen, write down some things that in your mind and in your heart, you would like to see the Lord do in your life and in the lives of your family members and in the lives of our, in our church. I want, I'd like you to write it down. Put it down there. Figure out how to say it. Figure out, you know, sometimes writing things down brings clarity to our mind. It's not just a feeling, it's, it's something concrete. And you writing it down puts it on paper, and then you can keep this. And you can, you can remind yourself as we go through our meeting, remind yourself of what you want to see the Lord do. But 
when Jehoshaphat, why do I bring this up? When Jehoshaphat took the kingdom, his heart was prepared to seek the Lord, but he had some things he wanted to see in the kingdom among the people. He wanted to see he wanted to see a revival among the people. He wanted to see people turning back to the Lord. He wanted to see people getting right with the Lord and worshiping the Lord and obeying the Lord. And you know what he did? It wasn't just a pie in the sky, hope so kind of thing. No, he prepared to make that happen. You know what he did? He picked judges and went through that process. He vetted people, no doubt. He found out who was honest, who wouldn't take bribes, who was upright. And he put those people over the people so that the effect later would be over time, the people would become more and more holy as the judgment over them was more and more holy. He prepared for what he wanted to see happen. It wasn't just on a whim. And whatever you write on this, you can't just write it and say, well, here it is, Lord, make it happen. No, there has to be a heart that is preparing to see these things happen because they won't unless we do. They won't unless we do. Look at chapter 20. Verse number 31. The Bible says this, And Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah, and he was 35, 35 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of, daughter of Shilhai. And he walked in the ways of Asa his father, and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Listen, that's a, that's a good verse to live by. Just, just stop right there a second. That's just a good verse to live by. Lord, I want to do what is right in your sight, period. I want to do what is right in your sight, period. You know what that is? That's a blank check statement. The specifics are not filled in. That's for the Lord to fill in. Verse 33 says this, How be it, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. See that? Why did the high places remain? Because they did not make preparation to seek the Lord. They just, you know what they did? They just continued on their merry way just like they had always done. There was no examination there was no consideration of where they were or where they wanted to be. They just maintained the status quo. And you know what happened? They continued to do the things that displeased the Lord. No preparation was made. Now, we already saw how that Jehoshaphat had prepared his heart to seek the Lord. But there came a time when Ammon and Moab invaded their land. In chapter 20, 
In chapter 20, we see that Ammon and Moab began to invade the land. But look at verse number, well, look at verse 1. It came to pass after this also that, Moab, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them, other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be at Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, listen to this, and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now stop. Now, so we know previously Jehoshaphat prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Now that preparation is being tested. As often happens, when we are put under pressure, when pressure is applied, those resolutions are tested. Many, many of the kings of Israel or rather of Judah, failed. Even the godly kings. Now think about it, go in your head, the various kings of Judah. Many of them failed, even the good kings, when pressure was applied. When it came time that that pressure was applied, they failed, they abandoned their principles because they had not prepared to seek the Lord. But what is Jehoshaphat doing? He already has prepared to seek the Lord and now the time of testing came. And listen, whatever preparation we make, to seek the Lord before this meeting. Whatever resolution you make about, about, about spending more time in prayer to prepare your heart, spending more time in the Word to prepare your heart, doing more reading on godly subjects to prepare your heart, setting more time aside for, to, to, ha to have with your family, leading your family in, in, uh, in spiritual things to prepare your heart, being more involved in the church, or however it might be, Whatever you do, you guarantee it. You can mark it down. It will be tested. There will come a time when that is no longer easy to do. And that's when the resolve and the reality of your preparation is going to be, is going to be put to trial. But the Bible says in verse 3, he set himself to seek the Lord. In other words, what he had already prepared himself to do when the trial came, he did. That's what he defaulted to. He did, listen now, he did what he had planned to do. He did what he had planned to do. He prepared himself to seek the Lord, and when the time came, he did that. Look at chapter 20. I already read some of these. Verse number 33 I'm sorry, verse 32, and he walked in the way of Asa, his father, and departed not from it. You see the longevity of his obedience. He prepared his heart, and now it's being tested. He survived that test. He did what he had already prepared his heart to do, himself to do, and now he's sticking to it. It's having long-term benefits in his life. And then, of course, we already saw the people that did not prepare. You know, they continued in sin. Look at chapter 12 of 2 Chronicles. We're going back to Rehoboam now. Chapter 12. Verse 1. 
Rehoboam is such a sad figure in Israel. And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. You know what I read when I see that? He didn't prepare himself at all to follow God. Soon as he got the kingdom from Solomon, he walked away from God. There was no preparation. There was no thought. And then there was, of course, the resulting failure. The resulting failure. Look at verse number, um, look down around verse number 14. Verse uh, 13 says, So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. You see, without preparation of one's heart, which is done, remember, it's, that's done in advance. The natural tendency takes over. Let me, let me tell you something. If you, as a part of our church, go into this meeting and you don't prepare your heart, if you come into a church service and you haven't taken any time to prepare your heart, I'm talking about just a regular Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, Sunday morning service. If you don't take any time to prepare your heart, the natural tendency is going to take over. That's what's going to happen. That's why we say you get out of the service what you put into it. Yes, preparation should be made. A lot of people get dissatisfied with church because they haven't prepared their heart. They expect to be served rather than coming to God expectant. They expect the Lord to serve them and do it all without any heart preparation whatsoever. No thought about where they are with God. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we come to church having just argued with our spouse, having sinned, said unkind, even ungodly things, and we come to church, we've fussed at our kids and said things we should never say to our kids in the spirit that we should never have with our kids, and we come to church and expect God to bless us with a heart that's, that's ill, it's just not going to happen. That's just, it's just not going to happen. Let me challenge you to prepare yourself before you come to church. To get your, get your heart right with God. Take a few minutes and say, Lord, I, I, I messed up and I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry, Lord, please, I just, I want to be right with you when I go into service. I, I, want to, I want to make sure my heart is ready to hear your word. And Because listen, when, when our spirit is like that and we are out of fellowship with the Lord, when we come to church, we sing the songs, and it's just dead, right? It's just deadness. We don't care, we don't feel, we're numb and lifeless. You know why? Because there's no preparation. There's no preparation. But on the other hand, when we come to the Lord and we are ready and we prayed and we've sought Him and we've confessed and we tried to make sure that we're just, we're, we're, we're expectant. We come, it's totally different. And any of you have, that have put this to the test know that what I'm saying is true. By preparing in advance, 
Now, I just want to give you, just for time's sake, I'm going to kind of cut it off there, and I want to give you a couple of principles about, a few principles about preparation. The first thing I want you to see is this. And we've seen it in these verses, but I'm going to summarize it. First thing I want you to see is this. To prepare to seek the Lord means to set one's heart beforehand. Beforehand. Listen, the word prepare means the event has not happened yet. It's yet future. So to prepare one's heart means before the event comes. In our, in our context here, the event is our revival meeting coming up next week. That means before that ever comes, our hearts need to, we need to be getting that ready now. You know, the Lord did this. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible says that it was in the counsel of God. I'll just read it real quick, just so that I can make the point and then continue. Acts 3, verse number 18 says this, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all His prophets that Christ should suffer, He hath so fulfilled. Now think about that. When Christ came, it wasn't a whim. God prepared. It was told way beforehand. It was in God's mind and in His counsels long before the event ever happened. God prepared for us. God prepared for us. You know what? We should be thinking of the future. When we write things down, I want you to think and I want you to to consider what do you want the Lord to do? What is your heart toward God in your family, your church, your life, whatever? What is in your heart? But think about that. I want you to think about the future. That's what preparation is all about. It's about the future. That's what it's about. We are thinking of what we desire for the future, not the present. The second thing I want you to see, want you to see in, on this, these principles is this. To prepare to seek the Lord is to plan to seek the Lord. How many of you have ever heard the, heard the, little, uh, the little quotation, this is sound? To fail to plan is to plan to fail. You see, preparation means you're planning. You're planning. We should not to seek the Lord only on a whim. You know what? I'll be honest with you. For me personally, often that has been a fault of mine. Failure to plan to live for and serve God. Failure to plan to fellowship with God. You know, if you, if you and I, if we go to bed, if we go to bed without planning to rise early to seek God's face, we won't. You know, that's a, that's a small example of preparation to, of, of living for God. If we don't plan, as a, as a matter of the church, if we don't plan to be present at the church, if we don't plan to be present at our special meeting, if we don't plan to be present at evangelism, when we wait right up into the moment to decide, you know what we will do? We'll back out. You know why? It's our nature. It's our nature. That's why we, we, when we have time, before the fact, we say, Lord, I, I, w- I want to do what's right. You know what, Lord? You're, you're worthy of more than just a whim, an afterthought. 
Because here's the reality. When we do not plan to serve the Lord, we subject our seeking the Lord to the changing fancy of our hearts from moment to moment. Sometimes you feel like coming, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like reading your Bible, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like being a witness, sometimes you don't. And I'm the same way. So you know what we do? That's just a reality of being a human being, a, a child of God in a fallen body. You know what we do? We plan to do those things. We prepare our hearts. So when no time comes, the decision's already done. We establish our intention, our objective. But when we don't do that and we just, it's just our changing fancy, the result is we don't do it. You know what? Jesus deserves our preparation and our resolution. Number three, to prepare to seek the Lord is to make a decision now. Don't wait until then. Now. Don't wait until next Sunday to decide or to leave it up in the air to decide maybe or maybe not how you're going to prepare your heart for this, this uh, meeting. You see, when we make the decision now, we can make a decision not based upon our whims, but based upon our principles. What is right? What does God want? That's how we should make our decisions, right? Lord, what is your will? What do you want? We can make that clear-minded without considering about what's convenient or what's easy or what do we feel like doing at the moment. No, we make plans in advance because we can think clearly and make decisions on principle and what is right and in God's will according to His Word. Because as I said, that resolve will be, will be tested. So for the things you write on the cards, whatever you want to see the Lord do, how are you going to prepare to do that? How are you going to prepare your heart? How are you going to prepare your family and your church to make those things happen? That's the question. So just a few questions I thought about as we close. What things do I need to immediately repent of? This moment. I know they're not right. I know the Lord is not pleased that I need to immediately repent of and seek God's forgiveness for. What things do I need to put away so that I might seek the Lord without hindrance? What priorities in my life need to be rearranged to allow me to seek the Lord? That's planning, arranging your priorities intentionally. What do I need to set time aside for that I might seek the Lord properly? And there are many, many other questions that might be asked. So here's what I'm going to do. Brother Ari, you can go ahead and come. We're going to set these on a communion table. And we'll close the service. And I just invite you to take this. You don't have to fill it out at this moment. You can fill it out whenever. But to take a few minutes and think about what you want to see the Lord do in your life. And in your church. And then write it down and keep it in your Bible. And then later when you have some time and maybe the Lord prompts your heart, just look at it and say, Lord, how can I prepare myself to do these things? To see them happen. How can I prepare my heart to seek you? Let's pray.